Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. This is a Team Talk class. We are your professors, Dr. Rabble Rouser, and Professor Emeritus, Danny Phantom. Dr. Phantom, how are you today? You know, I, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm a little tired. I am uh, fin- finishing off a two-week uh, stint in the Bay Area. Where I've been out for on work. Um, so I'm a little homesick. You know, I definitely can't wait to to see my family. And um, but I did enjoy a, a wonderful day in San Francisco. Took took a four hour bike ride. Uh, did the little tour, the Bay Bridge, and along the coastline. It was just gorgeous. Nice. Um, enjoyed some nice seafood um, on the bay. Uh, of course, when they seated us, we have. Of course, we're in San Francisco, so. Um, we went to a place and they sit at us right next to where they had all the 49ers stuff. And I had a front row seat to the, where Everson Walls was posterized by, you know, the infamous catch. So I had to look at that um, all night. Uh, it, and it reminded me of basically my worst memory, Cowboys memory is, you know, I was really young, but uh, that game was a very tough game for me and in fact I I cried I, you know I was I was younger uh and I had trouble eating that evening because of the result of that game but so that yeah that was uh brought back bad memories and you know I'm glad that I'm not quite as uh, emotional these days but you know it's still it's still a tough thing um definitely was one a tough one for me what about you Rabs what is what's your What's your moment, Cowboys moment, that really, um, you know, you know, stuck it in you? Uh, well, first of all, you have my deepest sympathies for being having to eat a meal uh, underneath that monstrosity. Um, uh, instead of the catch, I like I like to uh, call it the failed uh, throwaway. I believe to this day that Joe right, Montana was trying right. to throw the ball away out of the end zone, and, and his arm wasn't strong enough to clear the end zone. Uh, just strong enough to get it high enough so Dwight Clark could jump up and get it. At any rate, um, I would say that mine's also a 49er Cowboy uh, NFC Championship game memory, and that is the 94 championship game. When um, uh, the, the Cowboys went in, they were they were a good a good squad, although they weren't as good as they'd been the last couple of years before that. And um, 
immediately turned the ball over three times and, and found themselves down 21 nothing, and then battled back valiantly and almost almost got back in it. But there was a couple of there's just a couple of really tough plays. Obviously, the one that one that people talk about the most is there was a um, a non pass interference on mm-hmm. Deion Sanders, but there was also like. They, I think Emmett Smith failed to score a touchdown. They ended up getting a field goal uh, right before halftime, and the touchdown would have gotten within seven or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. I remember, I just remember thinking that was a really big missed opportunity. Anyway, that that game still still you know sits in my craw because first first of all, if they had won it, they almost certainly would have won the Super Bowl. If they they would have beat the Chargers, um, you know, sideways and every which every which mm-hmm. way, but. Um, and so that that would have meant four in a row, and and you know the greatest team of all time status for sure. But um, it just it was just tough the the, the way that you know the way they lost. Uh, they were just getting down so quickly uh, before before you know before people were even really in in the seats, and um, that game was so frustrating. I I turned it off in like the fourth quarter and just went out and painted the garage door. <laughs> My garage door needed painting, and so I just went and did that. I didn't even watch the end of it. Yeah. Um, that was probably the last time that I've watched a Cowboy game. I'm trying to think. I mean, there were a couple games maybe in the – no, I think that's the last time I watched a Cowboy game and really got – like really got upset by it. You know, it's funny that you bring that game up because, well, first off, I think both the games that, that we're, we have brought up, the Cowboys lost in the NFC Championship to the 49ers. But I – besides the results, if you look at – the, you know the game itself. I have to to say that both those games were just they were really good games. I mean they were there was they were. I know the Cowboys fell behind in the '94, but I mean the Cowboys fought. I mean I I was really proud of the Cowboys those Cowboys teams even in defeat in both of those games and uh, and also too. I remember because because the the catch game or the overthrow game or the tackle game, as I like to refer to it, is um, <laughs> um, because of that game stung, you know, stung so much. You know, it felt so much more satisfying to, you know, to to beat San Francisco and back to back in the early '90s when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. So that made '94 mm-hmm. a little extra painful too, because it's like there they are again. It's like here they are. It's almost like they got the last word type of thing. Um, yeah. Even though that they didn't show themselves the following year when what they couldn't get past Green Bay or something, so the Cowboys, right, yeah. Cowboys, ulti- you know, in in my view, got the final word because you know they just didn't make it. But uh, it would have been nice to uh, beat them again. And then, sure enough, here we are again. The Cowboys' last defeat in the playoffs at the hands of the 49ers. So it's like, ah, uh, it's like this, you know, I hate losing to those guys. But anyway. That's in the past. It's time to uh, look forward, and indeed, and that means uh, you know we got some stuff going on. Got some stuff going on this week. We're in uh, we're in phase three of you know the Cowboys um, off season, and or, or, you know the training camp is is closely closely upon us. Uh, right now, we're in uh, in OTAs. So right now, for anybody that's Unaware, we uh, just finished Wednesday. They finished up the uh, second day of uh, OTAs, and we got another two days next week, and then two more the following week before we get to the mandatory minicamp uh, starting June 14th through the 16th. 
Um, so that's what's ahead of us for the Cowboys. But uh, what do we got going on today, Rabs? Well, um, we're going to go from two guests, which we had the last couple of podcasts, to zero guests. So that's wanted an opportunity just to kind of chat with you about um, your impressions about the news that's coming out of uh, today's OTA practice. Uh, Wednesdays are the one day in which the press is allowed. So it's the one day we get a little bit of news. So we thought um, since we record on Wednesdays, we'd take advantage of that and, and um, carve out some time for us to just kind of talk about some of the news that's coming out of OTA. So we're going to play a little game called three questions Ooh. in which each of us is going to ask the other one, three questions. Um, you know about uh, OTA related topics. Sounds wonderful. All right. Well, do you want to kick this kick this off? All right. Welcome to three questions. This game could not be simpler. Um, essentially, we'll take turns asking each other questions about um, bits of news that came out from. Uh, today's OTAs, and each of us will have an opportunity to then, you know, kind of expound upon that particular topic. So I'm going to start us off. First question I have for you, good sir, is we learned today that um, Jalen Tolbert was working on the bands with some of the um, rehab staff and that uh, James Washington, their first big free agent signing, uh, was at practice, but in a walking boot. So the wide receiver room was pretty thin. Are you nervous about the wide receiver situation without those two cats participating? Um, I would say I am not. Um, I honestly, I wasn't overly nervous, even you know when we didn't select a wide receiver the first couple of rounds. I felt like the Cowboys were going to be able to have enough receiving resources. I don't think they have to just be stacked. And then, and if you look at this group when fully healthy, that I, in my view, they're stacked. I think with Lamb, Gallup, and Tolbert, that's a just that's a great receiving core. Uh, but I mean, I believe that they're going to be fine. I mean, barring more bad health, if something like were to happen to CD. Um, but I think that the, you know, obviously we're not going to have Gallup for the first part of the season. But I think those will, you know, between Washington and Tolbert. You know, they'll get healthy. I still think Noah Brown is, even though he's unexciting, you know, he's somebody that can, can come in and fill a role. And, of course, the Cowboys have Dalton Schultz, too. So we've, and he's a, he's a, you know, a big part of Dax, and, you know, where he likes to look. So, so to answer your question, Rabs, I'm, I'm not worried. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I like the group and I think that, you know, there's they have a lot of a lot of people that can contribute, and so it's not something I'm worried about. Are are you worried? Not in the slightest. I think that um, this is absolutely not the time in the season to worry about someone not participating. I think there's a big difference, and we're going to talk about this when we talk more about the structure of the off season in another week or two. That's one of the uh, sort of off season topics that you and I want to tackle, mm -hmm. but just as a little, as a little preview of that, a little, a little amuse bouche for those of you who would, uh, are interested in a culinary metaphor. Um, I think that there's a big gap between what coaches want to see in the off season and what fans want to see in the off season. So fans of course want all of their um, starters playing and playing well, and they want lots of highlights and all that kind of stuff of their favorite players. And, um, 
the coaches want to make sure that all their favorite players get to game one of the season healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the bottom line is that they have lousy practices. That's okay because they want health. And, and so um, if anybody has the slightest little ding, they're not going to, they're not going to play. You know, the, the stuff that's on the field, especially now in OTAs, it's for the veterans, but it's really mostly for the young guys. Um, and so as long as, you know, as long as the young guys can carve out an opportunity for themselves and, and they can, you know, they have enough people in each of the position groups to run enough plays, um, they're fine. I, I don't think anybody should be concerned at all about this. Okay. Totally agree. You know, speaking of carving out an opportunity for the young guys, let's go from an area that neither of us have any concern about to an area that I, in particular, do have a concern about. And we talked about this, you know, in our um, with our Oxner gang. Um, and I have a little bit of a different position than the rest of you. But as we learn... Oh, I think I know what's coming. Okay. <laughs> we learned that uh, our first round draft pick, um, you know, Tyler Smith, he was the number two guard to kick things off behind the veteran Connor McGovern. So my question for you, and granted, and you mapped it out perfectly, you know, it's it's early and, and we're not reading too much into this, but are you at all concerned about maybe the Rook not being, you know, ready to go? Not, not in the slightest. Uh, I, I think this is really just a sort of formality. Uh, it's it's a way of, of recognizing that uh, positions have to be earned. You don't just give the rookie the, the starting job. You've got a veteran who, you know, who's played the position, um, who also, you know, in whom they have some draft capital um, invested. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Connor McGovern be the starting left guard throughout, you know, throughout the OTAs and maybe even into the first week of camp. But I, I think it's an inevitability that Tyler Smith will be the starting left guard. By week one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I think, and, and I mean, barring some kind of injury that really derails his offseason and um, limits his development or even, you know, even inha- inhibits his development or, you know, uh, makes him take a step back. Barring something like that, uh, he'll be, he'll be the left, he'll be the left guard. If, listen, if, if Connor McGovern was going to be the left guard, they wouldn't have drafted Tyler Smith. They, they drafted him because they don't think Connor McGovern can play left guard. And so this is really just a way to honor veterans and, and you know, make it seem like uh, positions have to be earned, even though he was drafted to start and he will start. Yeah. And that's certainly true. Everything you're saying, I, I agree. And um, that, that was their plan, but you know, sometimes plans don't always work out uh, like they sure, hoped. Sure. And, um, and, hey, and listen, listen, if it doesn't work out, you have plenty of time to crow <laughs> later on in camp. Right? Oh, you know what? <laughs> There'll be lots of podcasts when you can do your gloaty dance yes. and then your, I told you so refrain. You know, these, these aren't the types that I take satisfaction in for sure, because I totally, <laughs> I totally want this guy to work out and I'm rooting for him. And um, definitely he's been growing on me since the moment he started talking. Um, so um, I'm, I'm definitely you know, big time rooting for Tyler Smith, but you know, I'd be, I'd be you know, disingenuous if I said that I don't have any concerns because, and McCarthy did, I listened to the, the presser on Wednesday and McCarthy did talk about, you know, how there's, you know, we got to like n- narrow this learning curve. Like he, he almost felt like I had a sense of kind of a rush or that he felt a little bit rushed. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, McCarthy, he's a experienced enough coach to where he knows 
they got to get these rookies up to speed quickly. And um, so, you know, and we are talking about a, a tackle, you know, a college tackle that has a lot of, you know, growing ahead of him that, that needs to happen for for him to come out there and be reliable and to where he's not just like, you know, lunging and grabbing and, and, um, and discipline, you know, he's disciplined enough to, to hold down the fort and, you know, and, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, I'm a little bit concerned with, with that. So that's, but I'm glad you're not, that's good to see, you know, and hopefully it's all, you know, Smith gets the job at, by the start of the season and we, you'll never hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, to, to, for, for me to have an opportunity now to, to kind of rehash something we talked about earlier in, uh, in the off season, um, one of the other pieces of news that came out was that, um, and this is actually, I think, a, a really interesting piece of news and, and one that most of Cowboys Nation will be um, applauding heartily about was that Tony Pollard was playing a lot in the slot. Seems like, you know, they've been talking or hinting at the fact that they want to make a kind of quote unquote Debo Samuel kind of position uh, for him. And, um, and we certainly saw some of that. We also saw some uh, some instances in which he and Zeke were in the backfield together in, for, in formations with no tight ends, which is kind of interesting. Um, so one of the things that we I heard earlier in the offseason, and we've talked about this in some of our earlier podcasts, was that um, in preparation for the draft, the Cowboys were looking at pretty much every running back. They really did a lot of due diligence on running backs. I was actually really surprised. I thought they'd draft one in, in probably the fourth round or certainly with one of their fifth round picks. I think they probably intended to, but um, the cover was pretty bare by the time, mm-hmm. by the time like the second or third of their, of their fifth rounders, I think uh, came up. And I, I think they probably just decided to, to, to try a different route. But mm-hmm. uh, when I, when, when they, talked earlier in the, in the off season about looking at all the running backs. One of the things they were talking about at that time was Tony Pollard moving to the slot to become more of the quote unquote Debo Samuel, you know, um, multiple weapon kind of guy. Um, but they were also saying that that if that's the case, then they have to find another running back to back up Zeke because if Zeke goes down or needs a blow, if you pull Pollard back into the backfield, then suddenly you're weakening two positions, right? or you're weakening one position to, to make the other one equal or better. I mean, it depends on how you feel about Pollard versus Zeke. So uh, what they were looking for was somebody who um, could basically run Zeke's play sheet. And so that, that would mean if Zeke had to step away or something happened to Zeke, that someone else could step in and Pollard could continue to do what he had been game plan to do all week long, right? And so my question for you is, I think that's a great plan. But since they didn't draft somebody, do you think Zeke's backup is currently on the roster? Uh, I do not think that he is currently on the roster. Uh, I don't. Uh, I really don't know what to think about the the Rico Dowdles and the what was it, Joaquin Hardy, um, the Jaquan Hardy, Jaquan, yeah, 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 Jaquan Hardy, uh, and there was even another undrafted rookie last year that I. I liked more than Hardy, but he Hardy kind of emerged as the as the guy. But but I don't none of those guys are are players that I would feel good about um, getting a lot of you know becoming the lead back essentially if something happened to to Zeke. Uh, so I I I think that they'll end up going the veteran route. I think if you look on the look out there right now, there's a lot of 
Um, now they're older guys, but you're you're not looking for somebody that that's going to last long term. It's more of a who can we get for 2022? And if you look at the players like Latavius, you know Murray, you know veterans like that. There's um, I, I remember like when the year Alex Collins was he was mentioned a lot as far as you know possible draft candidate the year he came out and uh so there are just i think there are some veterans out there that could you could get for real cheap that could come in and um and play that role the the one issue with that and i think i i can't remember one of the oxner guys or maybe as you uh, you know touched on this too when we were talking about running backs is you probably want that spot to be um that running back spot to be someone who could also contribute on special teams, which is what make like right. Corey Clement a good, you know, candidate for the Cowboys last year. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. I I don't see I don't see that on the roster. And honestly, to me, I think it's just going to be a heavy dose of Pollard. And I know that we would want Pollard to be used like Pollard is used, but I I just see without Zeke that you probably would end up seeing more Tony Pollard because. We want the the ball in, in Pollard's hands, right? I mean, we we we're already upset that he's not utilized enough. So lo and behold, like something Zeke gets hurt, and then we're still giving him like you know under double digit touches a game. Like that's just blasphemy, right? I mean, well, what is your take on it? Is is where 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 do you see the Cowboys going running back if in that situation? I, I'm 100% with you. I think that that person's not on the roster. And I think they're going to find a veteran. I do think that they that they are going to need to find somebody who runs what Zeke does. Because if you think about it, as they're game planning all week, they're game planning um, with and with using Pollard as a special weapon in mind, right? And so, um, in, in some ways, what what they're doing is is thinking about ways in which they can flex Pollard out and, and you know put him in motion to create mismatches and do all kinds of stuff like that to use him as a special weapon and and, and you know uh, craft ways to get him in space, and there, that means there's going to be a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of psychic energy even put into doing that in terms of building that into the game plan because it's not a standard issue thing. Right. It's it, it's not like you just have another guy who, who plays receiver and, and, you know, moves from the X to the Y. It's like a whole new kind of hybrid thing where you have to you have to use him in different ways to keep the, the opposing team um, like on the balls, of, you know, uh, uh, on their heels, so right. to speak. Right. So if, if Zeke goes down, you, you just simply can't just scrap all that because that is going to be a key part of their offensive identity. If they're going to commit to it and, you know, we've, we've seen this early in OTAs, maybe they're just trying stuff out and we've seen them do that before too. Like we've seen them do that with blitz packages in the Marinelli era. And so it's possible that, that we'll hear about that for a couple of OTAs and then we'll never, never hear about it again, in which case this is totally moot. But if they, they do uh, continue this and they do do a kind of quote unquote, again, Debo Samuel role uh, with, with Pollard, then they're going to have to keep him in that role because that's going to, that's going to be one of the two or three things other, you know, in addition to like CD lambs presence and um, Dak, you know, being healthy that are going to make the offense dynamic. And so um, they've got to find someone to take Zeke's to take Zeke's plays, not just his snaps. It's his plays. Like I think the idea is that if Zeke goes down the plays they've practiced, they can still continue to run those plays because those plays are going to 
I think, going to have some kind of relationship. You, you'd hope they have some kind of relationship with the place that they're also um, running to keep pol- to get Pollard into space, mm-hmm. right? And right. so, right, the, 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 those things those things aren't just totally separate packages. That they they should work in concert in some way, especially if they're in you know personnel groupings where both Pollard and the other running back are in the huddle at the same time. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this thing with Pollard. If you're going to commit to it, you've also got to find a way so that um, the whole thing doesn't collapse. If, if Zeke, or, you know, if, if Zeke takes, you know, um, the series off, like he does usually, you know, a couple of times, uh, basically you usually does that like once a half takes a series off. So they've got to find someone. I think that, I think that person's a, a vet. We just talked about who got selected in like the fourth round before the Cowboys drafted. Every one of those teams is going to have to let go of a veteran if they're going to keep one of those guys on the roster. Right. And so there's going to be listen. There's going to be plenty of perfectly fine running backs that are going to be available. They'll, they'll, they'll grab one of those. I know. I don't think that Rico Dowdle or Jaquan Hardy is that guy. Those guys are camp bodies. Right. No. I yeah. I agree. And I uh, I I do think there there are, there are plenty of veterans that could fill that role. Somebody you know you also want someone who could pass protect and you know can catch catch out of the backfield too because. You know, I mean, just try to mimic Zeke, the, the you know, and what the things that he exactly. does the best you can, and then then it becomes like like Pollard could just keep doing what he's doing, and um, I mean that sounds great in theory, but but would the Cowboys do something like that? Is that's the difference? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Who knows about that? But um, my question for you is, you know, because you mentioned it and, you know, talking about, you know, with Zeke and Pollard both being in at the same time when they're running 20, 20 personnel, I wanted you to kind of go over. And for those who maybe aren't too as familiar with with those um, formations and what those numbers mean, is maybe you can kind of just explain the, the formation lingo for everybody. Yeah, happy to. Um, so basically there are certain things about about how many offensive players are in the game that don't change. Right. So the thing that doesn't change is there's a quarterback and there are five offensive linemen. Right. And so that, though that takes up six of your 11. So when we talk about personnel groupings, we're really talking about the combinations of the other people at the other positions. And so um, rather than list all three positions, that that's not necessary. As you know, there's a total, it's a total of five, mm-hmm. right? And so if you think about um, 
person, if you hear about personnel groupings, what they are doing is they're giving you numbers about how many of, of uh, two of the three positions are on the field. And then so you basically from that, you subtract that from five and you know how many, how many of the other position group is on the field. So the two that you hear about are running backs. That's the first, the first digit and tight ends. That's the second digit. And then, so the idea then is that however many people are left are, are wide receivers. So if we hear about 20 personnel, what that means is that there are two running backs and zero tight ends. And therefore there are three wide receivers on the field. Um, and that, that's your total of five. Um, and so, uh, that's a that's a really interesting formation because that's a passing formation with two with two running backs and if you think about it with Pollard also you know operating as this kind of Debo Samuel who could, who could take a reverse who could line up in the backfield who could even line up at like you know the head of the eye with Zeke as a fullback and there's all kinds of cool stuff you could do with him um, and ha- and how vulnerable uh, defenses would be because you could run power with with Pollard but Pollard is your tailback. Uh, but teams would have to be spread out because you could also flex Pollard out and, you know, put him in a slot and, you know, get, get him matched up against the, the, you know, your slowest linebacker and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, some really interesting, interesting possibilities. So for example, you'll hear, you'll hear 11 personnel. That's one running back, uh, uh, one tight end. And again, three, three receivers. Um, and then you also hear something like sometimes you'll hear, you'll hear S 11, which just means they're in shotgun. So it's 11 personnel. Same grouping, but this time they're in shotgun. Just to just to kind of differentiate between uh, quarterback being under center versus quarterback being back in shotgun. Obviously, when they're in shotgun, they tend to pass more um, than they do when they're under center. But you know, each team does that a little bit differently. So that's basically that's basically what it, what it means. So um, it's always a total of five, and um, it's running backs, and then tight ends, and then whatever whatever the remaining number is 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 how many wide receivers you have. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I remember like the first time I heard it, I think it was talking about the 12 personnel and, you know, as you said, that's, uh, you know, your running backs first. So you got one running back and that's, that's a two tight end set there. And you just got to do the math to figure out how many wide receivers are there. And so that's pretty straightforward. So thank you for taking a moment to uh, lay that down for, for those who aren't familiar. So what is your third Um, and final question? Yeah. Speaking, speaking about, you know, 12 personnel, um, and, you know, tight ends, I, I have a tight end question for you. So one of the things we heard today was that Jeremy Sprinkle um, had a couple of really nice plays. I think he might have had a couple of touchdowns in, in the red zone period. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about Sean McCune, people are talking about Jake Ferguson, and I'm not sure that, I mean, I know we talked about, about Sprinkle uh, when we kind of ran down the roster and we gave him a little bit of love, but I'm not sure that he's getting enough love, enough recognition. I think he may be a more important player uh, in terms of what he provides to them, uh, you know, across, across, you know, including special teams across offense, et cetera. Going to be tight end number two to open the season. Yeah. You know, I agree with you that, that we're, we're not giving him enough, enough lava to it, honestly, when the Cowboys signed him last year, I thought he was going to be one of those, I mean, just kind of sign for now and probably maybe not even make a roster type player. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a placeholder in case Play, a, yeah. a, a, a rookie develops, right? Right, yeah, because I thought they were they were pretty 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 deep at tight end when you you know, you know, Jarwin was healthy at the time or he's coming back, you know, supposed to be, you know, healthy. And of course we all we we knew all we had in Schultz and a lot of us did was very interested about uh, Sean McKean and 
And um, he, you know, he was actually looking good in camp too last year too. So to me, a sprinkle was kind of an afterthought, but you know, I do remember watching, you know, watching some tape and seeing, you know, he's kind of just a, one of those guys that he plays a role. Um, you know, he, he, I think I had his snap counts. I think he had like the fourth or fifth most snaps on special teams. So he's definitely big in that department. And so, I mean, that's something that's easily overlooked. Um, so I, my view has actually changed um, with Sprinkle. Uh, and I, I think that he's definitely, uh, you know, could be the Cowboys tight end number two. He, I think he, he's a solid pass catcher and, um, you know, he's, he's having starting, you know, starting things off really, really well. And uh, he, I think he's a viable blocker. He's, I, I always appreciate what Dalton Schultz brings to the blocker, even though fans don't seem to. So to, mm-hmm. to me, I mean, Schultz is our best blocker, but Sprinkle is every bit as good. Or it may be better. I mean, I don't know. So, but definitely he, you know, he's a good inline blocker. He's, he's a solid pass catcher. I, I could, I would like to see McKeon, you know, take a step forward. This is year three and this is the year that Schultz broke out and became something. So, um, you know, maybe if and if that happens, that that would be better for the Cowboys because that could be something for the future. Whereas, I mean, sprinkles, you know, we're he's just more of a short-term solution right now. So, but yeah, for sure, I I, uh, I definitely think that I I'd, I'd be surprised if Sprinkle didn't make the roster and would not be surprised if he was tied in number two. What what about you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I think that um, you know he provides. He's got a very clear role on the team, all right. And so, um, you know, in thinking about in thinking about him, I think he's he's an example of something that McCarthy and McCarthy's staff does really well. They don't get enough credit for, which is to bring guys on and and to identify guys who can fulfill a couple of roles. And those roles don't necessarily like they don't necessarily go together but like if they if they can bring them together then that then they can bring that guy on so like if they needed someone who is you know in that as we talked about last week in that 250 pound range for special teams and they needed another tight end and and sprinkle sort of checks both those boxes i think that one of the things that that has shifted from the garrett area era to the mccarthy era is garrett used to be really good in the draft and you know, came on as a kind of like one one of the best, one of the things that made him a, a a great candidate as a coach was he also had you know chops as a scout, and so he and his coaching staff um, <clears throat> had a lot of input in terms of the draft. And it feels like McCarthy's like, no, 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 I'm not really that. I'm not really big on that. You go, you go, you guys, you scouts, you go ahead and do your job. And um, what I'm going to do is make real clear like the kinds of roles that I need to fill. And then I want you to go out and find people who can do that. And I think that that's, I think that's, that's something that he's clearer about than Garrett was. And I feel like there's, there are several guys on this team who uh, have, who they've identified because they fill a certain role and that as, as football becomes more multiple and becomes sort of positionless, that's even, that's, that's ever more important. I think that, one of the things that McCarthy's doing really well is getting that, those kind of specifics from his, uh, both from himself, but also from his coaching staff, giving it, giving it to Will McClay and, and, the, and the scouts and the pro personnel guys and giving, and then letting them identify who those players are. And that's how you get guys like Jeremy Sprinkle and Javon Kurz, who are pretty much journeymen who were thought to be washed up. And, and, you know, as you were saying with Sprinkle, like 
they they bring them in as free agents, and we're kind of like, oh man, this guy's just a he's just a warm body, uh, you know, to keep the to keep to, to keep the bench warm until until the you know or not the bench warm, but you know the mm-hmm. to basically be a placeholder until the rookie develops. And in fact, they've identified that there's a there's a a role for this player, and then eventually we kind of catch up and figure out, oh, okay, they needed somebody to to do X, Y, and Z. And they identified someone, you know, the pro personnel guys identified someone who could fulfill those, fulfill those functions. And Sprinkle does a great job fulfilling those functions. So um, I don't know that he'll finish the year as tight end number two. I think that there's a chance that, you know, uh, I'm not sure about McCune. I mean, there might, there's a chance he might finish as tight, tight end number two. There's also a chance that Jake Ferguson could, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get the second most snaps after Dalton Schultz. Yeah. I, I don't know why that I'm, I mean, I like Dick Ferguson, and I mean, he was, I, you know, I had him. I mentioned multiple times as, as a target as far as some of the Cowboys can get on day three. Uh, they mm-hmm. missed missed out on some of the the other the other guys, but um, I still my my expectations are tempered for what I think that he will give the Cowboys in year one. But um, yeah, as far as the the tight end two spot, it's I mean between Sprinkle and McKeon. I mean, I, it could go either way, and I think both are are solid options. And it gives a, either way, the Cowboys are going to have good tight end depth. I I feel so. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, my last question for you, it it involves you know a a, a popular pet cat that is um, seems like it just started from the moment he was signed. Um, as a priority free agent, but anyway, so undrafted free agent, rookie safety, and fan favorite, uh, Marquise Bell wasted no time turning heads this week. Um, he had a nice interception in the red zone that he took to the house. So we are going to, the, I mean, the it's already started. The, you know, the Bell love has already started, and the, I think he's a player we're going to hear more of. You know, as the weeks go on, is a guy who's going to steal one of those you know, spots on the roster spots and back in the secondary. Uh, my question for you is, A, you, do you think he makes this team? And B, who would he push off? Well, I mean, this takes us back to uh, the beginning of our conversation, which is not to overreact to something that happens on you know, the, the first uh, OTA that the press is allowed to attend. You know, so this is really like day one of a long off season in, in some ways in terms of the, the kind of reports we're going to be getting. Um, and, you know, there's been many years in the past in which someone had a great a great blue and white scrimmage or, you know, had a great, you know, had a great first week of practice. And we're all like, oh, this is going to be a great player. This player's going to make the roster and this player's going to be a difference maker. And then, you know, they, they end up not even making the roster because they just run out of gas or they're not as good as we thought or, you know. Uh, so I, I think. All that said, I think there's actually a lot to like about the player, and um, it wouldn't surprise me that much if he makes the roster. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how he does on special teams, obviously, because as the third, for for safety or whatever he'll end up being, and you're going to have to be a, a special teamer before you're anything else. I think the guy, just looking at this right now, I think the guy that he has the greatest chance of pushing off the roster because they're they're not dissimilar players is Israel Mcquamu. Right, they're both sort of big. They're both sort of big, long, rangy safeties. Makwamu um, comes into this into this process this year as kind of a question mark. I mean, he did get some snaps last year and didn't do 
didn't do terribly and but you know didn't embarrass himself but he also didn't distinguish himself i'm not sure what they think of him or how how they how much they like him or don't like him but it does feel sort of like the position and again we you know we talked about with sprinkled the roles that that uh and the function that somebody has in terms of their contributions to taking snaps etc uh it feels like bell is not a Donovan Wilson type in terms of what he's going to do, right? In terms of what they're going to ask for. He's not a J. Ron Curse type in terms of what they're going to ask of him. He's not a Malik Hooker type in terms of what they're going to ask from him, right? But he, he is kind of an Israel McQuamu type, right? Mostly a special teams guy, uh, big safety, uh, you know, might be, might be a, uh, you know, could be a, a kind of tight end neutralizer if he can develop. Uh, so I, I think that, I think that, you know, if, if Bell continues to acquit himself well, it may be that we are looking at a move decision that has to be made. Yeah, I, uh, it's interesting. You know, McQuam is kind of a little bit of a forgotten man. It almost feels like, you know, Reggie Robinson part two. It was like, you know, this is the year where it's like, okay, year number two, didn't see much his rookie year. So this is the year he's going, we're going to see something from him. And then it's like, we hear nothing from him. And so right. it could be one of those where, you know, he they draft players based on traits, you know, and both those guys are length, you know, long, you know, guys, and uh, but then maybe it it doesn't work out, you know, maybe the, you know, you can't get by on traits alone, and there's other th- parts of their game that's that's not where it's supposed to be. So I think that's a great choice for um, you know, a, you know, a safety that could get pushed off. I still worry a little bit about Donovan Wilson. Um, you know, I don't know what you know. He just, to me, I think he's kind of almost like stopped and maybe even started going backwards a little bit because he just, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the the free agent safeties that the Cowboys signed last year, they, they did a really good job, you know, with all, all three of them. I mean, were played really well. Of course, Curse and Hook and Hook are, are, um, are the starting two safeties for this year. So, I mean, and the Cowboys rarely bring those, bring those guys back. It's usually one and gone type thing. So, um so, you know, part of that's not his fault, but uh, I don't know. I mean, one year left of his rookie deal. I don't see him, you know, come playing very much longer. So he's he's another name, too, that I could see. If, if like, if it became down between those two and, you know, and McQuamu started to show a little bit, like, oh, maybe there's something there. I think they may go with the guy who's got three years of player control versus, you know, mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. one. So. So yeah, there's another name, but uh, yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see. I, I would love to, you know, to see the Cowboys get have you know a nice uh, a nice uh, undrafted free agent guy or safety that you know turns turns out for give him some depth and you know Bell's definitely going to be a player that uh well I mean I mean things haven't even started yet and everyone's excited about him so I mean everything he's doing at this point now is just going to keep fueling that fire and fueling the love so yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes indeed so that's all we have for today um if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the blogging boys podcast network leave us a rating write a review wherever your podcast apple spotify itunes or stitcher tell us what you think anything you would like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, your favorite 
players in OTAs or what was a Cowboys moment that made you really sad? You know, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Phantom 24 and Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez. And Sunday we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. We will catch you later. Class dismissed.